Hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community. Mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from MC Elma Burnham as she introduces Fisher Poets Maggie Birch from Homer, Alaska, Jeff Stonehill from Seattle, Washington, and Dennis McGuire from Port Townsend, Washington. These performances were recorded at the Liberty Theater on Friday, February 24th, 2023. So, without further ado, here they are. All right, good evening. We are coming to a close here at the Liberty for this evening with the last nine o'clock set. Thank you so much for everybody for coming out and joining us, being part of this, coming out for the whole weekend. It continues most of the day, actually, like basically the whole day tomorrow, there's plenty uh, to do and um, into Sunday even. So super, make sure you check out your program to find that. I am so excited to introduce my really good friend, Maggie Birch. Maggie is a Bristol Bay gillnetter of all kinds, drift and set, joining us from her current home on Orcas Island, grew up in Homer, Alaska, and I just love her, and I know you will too. Thank you guys, it's great to be up here with some poems, and I'm just so glad to not be on a Zoom screen, and um, yeah, this is lovely. Um, the, I wasn't planning on reading this poem, but I've been inspired tonight by a lot of the other readers, so I'm going to read it. From Water. We differ, my friend and I, in what we look for in a boat. He wants performance, and I want a bunk for the nanny. He wants jets and step, and I want refrigerated seawater. We do not differ in what we fear because we both fear failing. He doesn't tell me this, but I see it in his shoulders. Along with failure, I fear compromise. Is that what it means to be a woman? Compromise? Even a woman with her own boat, a woman tougher than the sea who wears men's clothes because of big shoulders. My mother was a woman like that and I had a nanny. I don't believe that meant she was failing, but as a child I had a fantasy that my mother was water that I was born from the water, that I was raised on pirate ships and made no compromise. I'd pretend I sailed the ships in storms so big the masts were failing, perched on washed up wooden old boats. Then I would hear a call from my nanny, jump off into the grass, my jacket slung over my shoulders. Now some days I feel the weight of a gender on my shoulders. When I am one of the only women on the water and because in the winter I put away my boat to work as a nanny, my pride is tied up in its hull without a lot of room for compromise. My pride is tangled into every line on that boat and I lie in bed at night thinking of what hydraulic hoses are closest to failing. I look to the women before me who face the fear of failing and if I know anything it is because I stand on their shoulders. I've listened to their legends or secrets or worked on her boat. Women who are mothers and have broken the water, who carry anchors and car seats, sharp knives and compromise. Do you give up the helm, bring the baby along, get a nanny? 
So there I am, looking for a boat with a bunk for the nanny, banking on a few more years without my birth control failing, bracing for the day I face compromise like a wet wind. The day I'll carry someone else on my shoulders as we head to the water or the boat. My friend crawls into a forecastle, and I tell him that bunk is too small for his shoulders, but he says it has a good engine and it's worth the compromise. And I think of his mother, who gave up the sea to create him, to raise him from water. Um, I'm really happy that my mom and sister are here in the audience today, and um, I've had a lot of changes in my relationship to commercial fishing in the past three years, um, grad school, COVID, um, my partner's health challenges, and then also the opportunity to buy my mom's set net operation with my sister. So um, this poem is about returning to set netting in a way. The origin. Last week, my sister pulled a tarot card that was a salmon. It said she would re be returning to her origins. Beach glass and baby dolls, pulling on long underwear and scooping down oatmeal in the dark. These memories are so old they form photographs. Two little girls with tutus over their snowsuits on a four-wheeler. The bright red row filling my sister's hands. We didn't learn it all right away, and we don't know very much now. But we know how the tundra rolls, how to cook with what's left in the fridge at the end of the season, how to make tea when everything else feels like despair. We hadn't planned on returning, and I wonder if the salmon don't either, and it catches them off guard when they have too much going on and not enough saved yet. But there it is, a tug towards the origin. They follow, and their sisters do too. Um, these next three poems are newer. Um, so two years ago, it was actually Fisher Poets was on Zoom, and um, my soon-to-be husband was um, in the hospital getting brain surgery to remove a cancerous tumor. And um, the past two years in our journey kind of through illness and back into health and what it looks like today, um, I made most sense of through my relationship with the experiences I've had, which were mostly, uh, or a lot, of fishing and water. <laughs> and so the next three poems um, kind of tell that story for me, and I hope it does for you, too, and kind of where we are and where we've been. Um, the, this one's called The Fleeting, The Diagnosis. Life as brief and frantic as a salmon run. Shorebirds turn in unison above the rusted cannery. The tundra swamp, give, swamp gives out beneath you. The mud doesn't let you go. That wave came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden there are decisions to make in warp time. Love like a sucking ebb, everything else racing by, the shoreline, that buoy, a boat. We search for something to hold on to. 
Cancer, illness is the moon, wrenching us in and out, life, belief, disbelief, treatment, tranquility, gratitude, brutality. Nature was my first teacher. She beckoned me to the beaches, sunny and littered in salmon death. Everything is fleeting, she said, in the black suck of the mud, in the sand picked up by the wind, in the heartache, in the rot. Uh, some future, the treatment. All the missing that fishing brought this love, and now time feels different. Sticky like canned peaches left through the freeze. Oncologist scans teach me to think of time in months, not seasons. October, November, stop. Have the sh shackles been hung? A question for the future. Will the four-wheeler start? feels small when I still wake in the night at any of your movements. Sure, things have gotten worse. In a cloudy dream, we are there, though. It is July, and you are bright with salmon death, with mud and water and work. I watch in wonder as you fall for lines and knots, engines and current speeds, the boats pitch, the lines tug, the tide sucks, and in all that tension, I am calm. So my partner um, has been two years cancer-free coming up here in a couple months. Um, and this one's called Here and Alive Remission Question Mark. Remission? I, I titled this like two hours ago, so. <laughs> okay, Here and Alive Remission. The grass bends and turns and you are sleeping here and alive. The fish swim by, but our market is swamped or screwed up or incompetent. You make coffee and wrap your arms around me, here and alive. I feel anxious and frustrated, disappointed and annoyed. You whisper that you love me, here and alive. The wind started blowing last night, hard and snotty. We went out fishing and the market said stand down, day nine on limits. You are here and alive. You pull me out deeper in the waves. You tie up the boat. You hold my head gently in all this wind, here and alive. One day, maybe, the market will buy our fish again. One day, maybe, we will have babies who will be tousled by the wind, grow strong from the salmon, get tangled in our hearts. I dream it like I dreamed this summer, gentle and slow. I will write this, and I will go to you, here and alive. Thank you guys so much for listening and being a part of my community here and, and beyond. Thank you. I am really proud of my friend Maggie. That makes me cry. Okay. Hmm. Next, I'm so excited to continue our nine o'clock hour. Um, 
as you know, hopefully, because you all looked at your program, there's plenty of after-hours activities to continue with, including the Poetry Slam, which happens at the Columbia Theater this evening. So Fisher Poets performers will go head-to-head, -head, and I encourage you to stop by there, or if you perform tonight and you're feeling the weight, go dancing at Kala and <laughs> look forward to tomorrow's set. Okay. Um, next, we're welcoming to the stave, stage Jeff Stonehill, who has fished all over part, different parts of Alaska, um, the Copper River, Prince William Sound, and then the Columbia and Grays Harbor down this way, looking for herring, halibut, and crab. He's run some fish buying boats. He says now he's retired from fishing, living between Seattle and Friday Harbor, but all those wheel watches, oddball characters, broken down boats, and big catches are still rolling around in his head. And he's gonna share them with us tonight. And if you haven't heard, he has a novel, The Last Great Wild West Show. So join me in welcoming Jeff Stonehill to the stage. Hi. Boy, this is sure nicer than trying to make your room look good on your computer, like we've been doing for the last few years. Anyway, I listen to these young people that are still fishing now, and sometimes it makes me a little, uh, feel a little like an old guy. But you can channel that old guy stuff too. And I'm gonna do a little bit of that tonight. This first one, should really be done closer to Halloween. A little creepy, but the message is true, I hope. This is called Death Larson's Son. I had the perfect opener set. Low water at the marker sticks. The cork line lit with the fish coming out. Bobbers, splashers, and tail kicks. When a ghost gray skiff slipped out of the mist and set his net right above me. Fishing's barely opened, yet he's down to his plimsoll line. And now he's laced me cork for cork. Who is this nasty swine? The bastard must have fished last night, fishing on the closure. I'm a pretty mellow guy, but I lost my composure. I didn't have to raise my voice. His boat was just that close. I couldn't really see his face beneath the Helly Hansen hood. Who the hell you think you are? You're over the line and you corked me good. A baleful look from a skeletal face. Who I am you will not wish to know. My blood grew cold but I kept my bold. Look, just pick up and go. Empty eye holes, a death rictus smile. No, I think I'll fish a while. And since we're neighbors, let's be friends. You ask me who I think I am? Well, I guess that depends. Couple of centuries back, I ran a Nantucket whale ship in the Baja and Pacific. Two years or more each trip. Flins them out and boil the oil. The Portuguese and Maoris toil. Quiet nights in Ahab's cabin. I heard the whales sing of their families lost, their elders gone. 
but it didn't mean a thing. And when the whales were near killed off, I took the seals and the pribiloffs, filled my hold with seal skins, wiped out all their kith and kin. In those days, I was Death Larson's son. But now, the sealing days are done. I'm the bastard spawn of Poseidon. Blackbeard's blood runs in my veins, and when all your fish are gone, I'll be the one to blame. Every fish in every ocean, I'd say they're all mine. I'm the tragedy of the commons, the death of the fishery. These salmon belong to no one, so they all belong to me. Behind the markers, on the closures, I take them however I may. The fish, fish cop tries to pinch me, but I always slip away. I don't just kill them for the money. No, I eat one now and then. Grilled, broiled, braised, or smoked. But to me, they all taste better poached. <laughs> and when you're crabbing, or long lining on a gloomy, foggy day, running your string, you may see a boat working the other way, pulling your pots, stealing your butts, not bothering to rebate, ripping you off behind your back, then scuttling off in a plume of black. But these are diverting child's play. You know I have far better ways than a fish trap or a can line to make a fish run go away. Damn a stream to grow potatoes. Kill a crick to mine for gold. Pour your toxins in the river. She'll carry your crimes down to the sea. The ocean takes in all our sins. So much greater than you or me. So you don't need to ask my name. Just look into your soul at the dark thing lurking, the old fish-killing ghoul. And then he shrugged and started picking. He picked his fish real quick. All those fish that should have been mine. But that thought kind of made me sick. And when he had his gear aboard and flipped his buoy in, he idled slowly down my net back to my boat end. These fish belong to no one. No one owns the ocean, so no crime has been committed. Swallow that emotion. Greed's my name, and it's my curse. All things live for me, and if I cannot catch them all, I'll be fishing for all eternity. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's a, that's a little creepy, but I don't know. I was in that mood last October. <laughs> uh, I got to slip a really short one in here because some of my friends I was having dinner with tonight, I was talking about this thing I wrote a few years back about my old man, about my dad. Now, lots of commercial fishermen start out on their father's boat. They're mentored by a savvy old sea dog of a dad. I did not have that experience. This is called First Fish. The first salmon I ever saw 
I must have been five or six. The aft half of a huge Chinook lay on the chipped washboard of our cast iron kitchen sink. Her tail hung over the edge, adding specks of gurry to the splatter pattern of the old linoleum floor. I touched the cold, slick scales with one tentative finger. The salt spray, stone fruit smell of it filled my head. I looked at my dad in awe. Mother's brothers, two farmers, calluses on their hands, had dragged him to Monterey for a half-day salmon charter. Fishing, he had scoffed. All I ever catch is a cold. A city boy, school teacher in a cheap tie. He didn't know port from starboard. But now, for me, he had become Queequeg, Ahab. The old man in the sea, squinting at a far horizon with a coil of line on his shoulder, salt rime around his eyes. You caught this fish? He snorted a little laugh. No, it was your Uncle Frank. He made me take home half. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> yeah, my dad's no longer with us to, uh, to, uh, for me to have to make excuses, but he had a lot of other attributes other than knowing how to tie a bowline. Well, I got this thing that I like to reminisce and I guess I'm an old timer now because hardly anybody even knows what a halibut derby was. <laughs> but it used to be that big chunks of the North Pacific halibut quota was taken in a couple of two or three day area-wide openings where the whole fleet went all at once. This is called halibut derby. They don't do it like that anymore. I expect it's for the best. Now it's all done with quota shares. No three-day openers anywheres. Pick your market, pick your weather, pick your gear when you want, whatever. But back in the day, a halibut derby was the ultimate test. Kicked your ass just getting ready. You went days without much rest. 10,000 hooks, 5,000 herring baiting for half a week. Never failed as the day approached, a black southeaster began to shriek. Now your herring saning was 30 minutes of wild ass do or die. Spotter planes like pissed off mosquitoes dogfighting in the sky, playing bumper cars with a million dollar sane boat, skiffs crashing into the beach, a hundred ton set, or else you got nothing. Big paydays just out of reach. Don't blink or you missed it. Over in an instant. Then you sit on the seine and cry. Salmon, on the other hand, a long haul trucker's wet dream. 12 sets a day for a couple of months. But then you're a perfect team, setting it out, hauling it in, the crew's so bored they're ready to scream, but they know the drill. It's the humpy quadrille. Pirouetting off some beach, one more swing, yeah, that's the thing. 
let the jimmy snort and the power block screech. But for unmitigated grinding till you shed a shameless tear, try a 72-hour long line trip, fishing 10 miles a gear. She starts out blowing 30, but it's coming up, I hear. It wasn't so bad when we set them out, running downwind, you know, but how the heck will you get her back and get all those butts iced down below? You know, this rig is way too small for what we're trying to do. Got no business way out here, just between me and you. What the hell was the skipper thinking? He's got the halibut derby flu. Playing big boy with a 50-foot toy. Now he's got our tit in the ringer, then gets grab your gaff, pull your half. This one's a real humdinger. God, we sure are rolling. This rail's too damn low. Hits you right about the knees and overboard you go. Now I'm just as hungry as the next guy, but I'd like to get home and spend my dough. So Roller Man ties a line to the mast and then around his waist. Yeah, that's the thing. I'll lash up like brave Ulysses and listen to those sirens sing. Halibut is the old man fish in the clinket lore. And I really do believe it when a 200 pound barn door comes up like a dazzling diamond from down on the ocean floor. And he gives me a look with those ancient eyes rolled up on the side of his head. But I gaff him aboard and he bucks on the deck and I club him until he's dead. You only get the single shot to make a derby pay Federal guy would set the time, and then he'd pick the day, and when it's time to go, she starts to blow. But you go on out there anyway, three days, no sleep, bologna sandwich and a gurried fist, zombies with knives, elbow deep in the guts, trying not to slash our wrists. But when those butts were thick on the deck, it's a thing I wouldn't have missed. Thanks a lot. Great to be back. And, and thanks uh, for running the show here tonight. Um, and thanks to all the, the young ladies in the last set. It's so great to have uh, the younger, younger ones coming on up in the fisheries, you know, who the heck are we going to sell our permits to anyway, <laughs> if it wasn't for them? So as an MC, um, <laughs> basically, Johnny B just like puts your name on a list and then you're the MC. And you would think that all this information comes to you before we press go, but really he's just like, yeah, great, good luck. <laughs> and everyone is asked to share their bio with the MC, and I just got one on a paper plate. 
And that is like the most fish camp thing I've ever seen at Fisher Poets. It's like, I love it so much. So I'm excited to welcome up uh, Dennis McGuire, who's joining us here. Um, originally from Ballard, grew up there. 40 years commercial fishing and diving, I will note. And um, he's living in Port Townsend now with Pat, his wife and navigator, who, have sh who share the captain duties. I love this. Married 44 years, all of which on the water. Uh, McGuire wrote Ballad of Calypso. I don't know if we're going to hear that tonight. No, but you can find it. And we're going to welcome him here to the stage. Please join me. Thanks so much. Folks, let's try something different here. I'm using the electronic unit here. Let's try it. Anyway, don't forget to go down to the gear shack. Got me a news ray troll. <laughs> I got me a lot of ray trolls. Most of them are in the bilge, you know, they get all wore out and greasy, and, but I just keep buying them. Yep. Okay, let me see here. Oh, there, see, it already went away. Okay, what I'm going to do is uh, tell you a story, a uh, true story, and um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Gordon Lipscomb. If, you're out there in uh, Radio Land, and especially, because I think you are out there, Miss Jen Pickett. Now, I think she's out there somewhere. And McCarthy, I got a feeling. And I bet she's listening. So, hi, Jen. Okay, because Jen and Gordon were part of this story. Uh, they were in the other boat that I was running with. So, that's where it is. And what it is, basically, a true story. I call it Hang Fire which was the name of the boat, my boat. And then um, I kind of got a second title, is The Wave, just The Wave. Okay, so take the one you like. So here we go with it. Now, can you hear me okay? Am I good? Yeah, good, okay, here we go. Yep. Boat's rocking. Not too loud. Boat's rocking, boat's rocking, yeah. yeah. I'm getting on it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Boats rocking to refracted swells. In deep sleep, this fisherman dwells. Sweet dreams and make it a wish. I won't be cursing radio fish. Huge waves from a week full of gales. Hang fires anchored tight to the egg island swales. Boats are pulling their anchors and Idling away, waking this wore-out fisherman to start a new day. Another cup of coffee is poured, then hang fires anchors hauled aboard. Radio fish, cursing myself for acting on a report yesterday of a big catch on the Copper River Delta. I wake knowing I'm breaking a personal rule. I never chase radio fish. Those fish have been caught. They're gone. I ignored my rules and ran the 80 or so miles across Prince William Sound. The tired mind does not recognize that a pattern or a series of bad decisions is progressing. 
charging out the bar on an ebb tide with a storm swell running. Very bad decision. By the time Hang fires anchors aboard and she's idling downstream, there's only one hand, no, just a handful of boats in sight. Visibility is greatly diminished. The crashing ocean is creating a fog-like mist. Three boats ahead disappear, turn east. There's just one boat left in sight. Blood rushes. The throttle has stepped up, bringing hangfire to maximum speed she can run in this rough water. One lone boat left in sight. In the corner of the mind resides a colonel of fright. Up on step, hangfire hops, crashing over breaking wave tops. Got to catch that boat up ahead and ease this feeling foreboding dread. Mis mis misery loves company, they say. Exactly the same can be said of fear. A jolt of fear has hangfire pushing hard to catch up with the as yet unknown boat. When she closes within a couple waves, it is plain to see Miss Stephanie, written in blue across her stern. Ah, it's Gordon. A relief to see a, those powerful twin jets up ahead. Even better, an experienced fisherman to run with. The mind is quickly put at ease, and one gets down to the business of navigating and taking each wave, one at a time. The Egg Island bar is huge this morning. The tide nearing maximum ebb is at loggerheads with a storm swell left over from the week's previous weather. Hangfire holds her position, several waves astern of Miss Stephanie. The two boats ease out the bar, throttle back. The current carries them at a good speed. The throttle is pumped back and forth as the breaking waves stack up and grow in size. The bar is dicey. The waves continue to grow steeper, are closer together, and they're not running in a uniform manner. They're running confused with many standing waves, tossing Hangfire into awkward attitudes in which she is forced to make quick counter moves. It appears Miss Stephanie is suffering the same abuse. I hang, continue to hang back, giving Miss Stephanie room to maneuver as the waves continue to grow in size. Both boats are darting, weaving, being thrown as they make their way. I see Miss Steffi on the face of a wave, a very large wave, twice the size or better than what we had been dealing with. She appears to be standing straight up as she approaches its crest, which is just forming a respectable curl. At Miss Stephanie's bow, a steep rave rises. She makes a move that really surprises. A pirouette at the wave's curls. On the wave's face, Miss Stephanie twirls. Miss Stephanie's bow just kisses the crest when she does an exquisite 180-degree spin at the wave top. 
Hang fire dodges to starboard to avoid collision. Miss Stephanie blasts by hang fire. In that brief moment, I see the reason Miss Stephanie was so abrupt in her escape. A very low white cloud stretches across the entire bar. The image is not real. That's not a cloud, it's a wave. Hangfire begins the ascent of the wave Miss Stephanie just flew off. The wave's steep, the crest begins to break. The throttle is firewalled, I crank the wheel hard to port. She slides around neatly on the wave's face, then the damn thing breaks underneath her. Hangfire tumbles out of the turn clumsily, broadside down the back's wave side into the trough. Instinctively, the wheels crank hard to port, excuse me, starboard, to keep from being rolled over outright. Just rolled over now. Goliath stands tall in Hangfire's path. On this tiny boat, he will vent his wrath. One great wave, one small boat with a will to stay afloat. Hangfire faces her adversary bow on, white knuckles on both wheel and throttle. She hangs on the face of the wave. She had recovered from the fall and powered up the oncoming wall of water. Halfway to the top, she stalls, 20 feet or more from its crest. Her jet is digging in, full power, and a steady helm holds her position. She is sliding to starboard fast. Her frames shudder at the stresses. She cannot climb the wave. The, way, the wall she clings to is getting steeper as a heavy curl, a massive claw forms above her. Tons of water are about to topple. Drive her under and roll her over. An instantaneous hard starboard turn is forced when hangfire approaches 90 degrees. She narrowly avoids being pitch-pulled backward into the trough. Buns over tea kettle, she avoids being flipped. Then into the wormhole, hangfire slipped. Down through the pipeline, hugging the wall, shooting down the gutter like a bowling ball. Hangfire dives into the pipeline. Inertia holds her tight to the inner vertical wall as she begins a hair-raising ride, sheltered from the cascading water while her speed accelerates down the tube. The helm is cranked over and held hard to port. This keeps her tight to the inner wall of the pipeline. There is the sensation of skittering along the face of the wave. Hangfire combines her the energy of her jet propulsion to the energy of the jet of the of the the tremendous energy of the wave. She is a 30-foot jet ski in perfect harmony. She races along the inside of the waterfall at breakneck speed. The water tumbling off the top of the wave is clear of the boat. Hangfire is marvelous in her performance. The ride thrills. Fear is not present. It was left back there on the face of the wave where she bolted for the wormhole. Now, there is pure wonderment riding the pipeline with confidence, like a professional surfer. Hangfire blows through the cascading veil, freeing herself from the jaws of the whale. Down the wave's face, she traverses. Captain's at the helm, making up verses. Hangfire, yeah, why not make a poem? 
hang fire explodes through the pipeline, shooting down the face of the wave, outrunning the tons of water trying to bury her. She cuts through a course, she cuts a course across the wave's face, traversing back the way she had come. She descends to the bottom of the trough. Her extreme speed carries her up the backside of the next wave, where she goes airborne in its crest, crashing down on its face. She is still firewalled as she slices along the down and down the face of this wave where she meets Miss Stephanie. <laughs> Miss Stephanie is powering in reverse, backing into Goliath, which is breaking all around her in a foamy mass. She appears steady as she takes the breaking sea stern on. Hangfire shoots past Miss Stephanie's bow into the trough blasting up the backside of the next wave, over the top, down its face, and into the protected waters of Egg Island. Miss Stephanie blows by hangfire, having bolted away from Goliath as it played out. Undeterred, she searches for an alternate route out the bar. Not surprisingly, she finds my old reliable track and disappears into the mist. Hangfire sticks to the trail, and finds it easy going through small breaks to deep water. She cruises into a sunny blue ocean with a heavy rolling swell and no fish. Hangfire didn't catch squat for her trouble. Radio fish. A lesson's been pounded home this morning and best be heeding its warning. When the mind's tired, needing a rest, Time for making decisions is not the best. And by the way, if you leave those radio fish alone, you won't be cursing yourself all the way home. <laughs> I choked my way through it. <laughs> okay, let me see here. I got one more. Um, this is not um, true, but in a sense it is because <laughs> it's a sense it's true because it's my impression of fishing the Copper River. I'll take you out to the river for a, a, a fishery and bring you back to town. That's what this poem does in my simple-minded head. Okay, here we go. This old workhorse, the stall, she's a bangin' cause the Cordova 500 saddling up for the hangin'. A quarter million horses on bits they chomp. Now the 500's rarin' to romp. Crossing the flats on a high-strung steed, it's great to be a rider in the Cordova stampede. Out of the bars these ponies are pourin', a big minus have died. She's a roaring. The 500's looking for a big surprise when the hanging commences at sunrise. Fish and feathers is looking too, because they're hoping they're going to be hanging you, Jeff. <laughs> Couldn't help that. Now, where was I? <laughs> okay, okay. Anybody? Okay, okay. Nets go whizzing off the boats. 
Water's a tangle of little white floats. Scuppers are running red with blood. <laughs> Fish are hanging in that river of mud. On top of a hill, the only soul looks around. He's not fishing. Because he went aground. Tide's coming back in a flooding fury. Nets go over the line in an awful hurry. Fish and feathers, there to pounce, taking every fish right to the last ounce. Bucking home, when the hanging's done, we're bucking into the midnight sun to tell our stories and fish tales and how we frolicked in those galloping gales. Now Nellie's back in her stall. Fishing's all done because it's late fall. Waiting for spring, this salty steed. Waiting for the Cordova stampede. Thank you. That's all I got. I was on the edge of my seat. Thank you, Dennis. Okay, that brings the Liberty Theater to a close for this Friday night. We will be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for another couple sets of Fisher Poets. Again, thank you so much to the Liberty Theater staff, sound, lights, uh, streaming of all kinds. We really appreciate you all being here. Thank you so much. See you tonight or tomorrow. That was Fisher Poets Maggie Birch, Jeff Stonehill, and Dennis McGuire recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon on Friday, February 24th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to thefisherpoetryarchive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea Blow ye winds westerly, westerly blow We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes <laughs>